Welcome to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz. This is our first episode. It is a candid conversation with a current student. I hope you enjoy part one of this conversation and look out for part two coming soon. What are you looking forward to in this conversation? This conversation, I two, uh, two things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to, uh, I think, discussing some things that have been in my mind in terms of college, Judaism, um, looking forward, what I expect to get out of, I don't know, college and life in general. Um, but also, I, I don't know, I, I've been very frustrated lately from the fact that just there isn't enough conversations going on about things that matter. And I, I think that if one of the things that this project will accomplish is to get people to have conversations about things that actually matter and have big talk, then I want to be a part of that. When did you start realizing that the conversations aren't what you anticipated? I think I first realized that it was a problem, I'd say towards the end of last semester, um, was when I started realizing that, that People, the only time that there was serious conversation was when people were discussing their mental health and that the whole mood on campus is that big conversations are rarely discussed. So whether it comes to politics, whether it comes to um, deeper issues concerning like the meaning of life, for example, all those conversations were not really taking place on campus. And again, I'm not saying that they don't take place at all, but it, it's not the culture on campus for those conversations to happen. And when you say the conversations are meant on mental, related to mental health, what do you mean by that? Meaning the only time that I observe that people will actually dig deeper and actually, I don't know, try to analyze something or, 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 or have a substantive conversation is when it comes to mental health, when it comes to people discussing their anxiety or depression. People are very, I, I think, Elisa Brandes are very willing to discuss those things. It's, it's been destigmatized, which I think is an amazing thing. So they want to talk about how they're feeling? Yeah, how they're feeling, how, how they're struggling with the different mental health issues, um, how those mental health issues have been impacting their college career or experience. That's the most that I've, I've, I've had substantive, like critical mass substantive conversations mm-hmm. with people. And what type of conversations are you sort of looking, were you anticipating, let's put it, were you anticipating coming here? Um, and what have you seeked while you were here? So coming to Brandeis, which is a, has a very heavy Jewish population, I, I was looking, I knew that a lot of my friends would be Jewish. And, and, and as a result, I was anticipating conversations in, um, regarding Jewish identity, what it means to be Jewish, what's, what people's individual Jewish experience are, whether it's religious or not, um, discussing Israel, um, discussing Zionism, discussing like all those bigger issues facing Jews and Judaism. Um, and in terms of the broader campus, I was looking to discuss, I don't know, issues of politics, issues of philosophy, issues uh, c- concerning the greater world at large, um, or, or even your inner self, but, but, but issues of relating what your meaning in life is, like what, what you're trying to get out of life, all those kinds of questions. And, and I find that those questions don't really take place. Instead... 
instead. Um, they don't take place sort of when you just, it's not a conversation that's going around, going on around you. It, it's not a conversation that when you bring it up, people sort of take to it and respond to it and, and take it further than the statement that you may have said or the question that you may have raised. Exactly. So, so whether, you know, you take a walk through the library, which is, I'd say, the hub of where things happen at Brandeis, people like hang out at the library, do work there, people spend days there, like even if they have nothing to do there, you, you will rarely find a group of friends. I, I, I can't even say that I have found a group of friends actually discussing something substantive. But even say you sit down with a group of people at a meal and you try to bring something up, rarely do people take the bait and actually... Um, progress and, and go forward with the more substantive conversation. So prior to coming here, did you have these types of conversations? Yeah. In high school, that's all the conversations we had. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if I had a weird high school experience, which I, I think I did, but in high school, we would also all hang out in the library and we'd have, I don't know, we'd talk about unended politics, about religion, about Israel, about all, I don't know, like we had substantive conversations and and, and the grade was involved. Not everyone in the grade, but there there was a, a large critical mass of people having these discussions on different levels. Like there are people that didn't really know what they were talking about, but they wanted to be a part of it. That that was the culture I think in the high school where I went. How would you describe your first year? I'd say I had a good year. I'm not this isn't to criticize Brandeis University. Like my experience here has been great so far, but underwhelming in the sense that the connections that you build with people seem to be built on shallow things as opposed to um, more deeper personal things. Um, most of the friendships I have formed at Brandeis are built off of very, very shallow, lowest common denominator um, things. When you say shallow, could you be more specific? Well... Without getting too specific. Right. Um, <laughs> I'd say, like, you know, people people will always bond about, like, who's dating who, who, who you know, who they like, who they don't like, et cetera. That, that's, like, a very easy, lowest, like, everyone is interested in that. It's, like, it's juicy, it's gossipy, it's fun. So that's, like, the easiest way that, like, I find that people build friendships. And I'd say, you know, that, that extends to talking about, you know, small talk regarding, like, fraternities, sororities, like, Greek life um, plays a lot into that. I don't know, small talk, I find, is like, or, or banter is how people build relationships, but then they don't run with that, and they don't progress with that. To something deeper. Yeah. To more deeper exploration, um, whether it personal exploration or exploration of ideas. Yeah. Um, that doesn't go, doesn't permeate any further. No. Okay. And you hope that changes. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it changes. I can't do another three years of like. It's getting. It's getting. It's getting old. It's already. It's. It's already gotten really old. Yeah. yeah. It's getting a little boring in a sense. Very boring. Yeah. Okay. So let's speak a little to um, um, your Jewish experience, not a Brandeis, but just your 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 uh, exploration of Judaism uh, and in you know and how it applies or. You relate to it. Um, okay, so I come from an Orthodox background. I come from a religious background. Um, my whole life, I have been in religious institutions up until Brandeis University. I've been my whole life in, in those environments. Um, and I'd say around two, three, 
I'd say around three years ago, three or four years ago at this point, I started I started having questions about things. And first that led to me like kind of having in like in 10th grade this angry atheist stage. But that wasn't really built off of any actual questions, but it was more built off of a raw emotion and raw anger that I had towards certain experiences that I had within the Orthodox community. So that didn't last long and I, I came back. But then a couple of months later, I actually started, I don't know, thinking about questions and not getting satisfactory answers. Um, and then at some point I started I started thinking about existential philosophy and, and that completely like broke my connection with the Orthodox world. Um, I just didn't see fine meaning in religion and slowly but surely I left. All and this time you were still living in an Orthodox community? Yeah. And going to... Orthodox high schools. Or high institutions. Yeah. And um, your friends were... My friends were mixed. I, I had some friends okay. that didn't observe. I had some friends that really did it, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, by the time 11th grade was over, I was completely non-observant. And um, by the time 12th grade rolled around, I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to come back. Um, Could you explain what you mean by non-observant? I, so the reason I, I, I say non-observant as opposed to like not religious is because I, the observance is like the, the the shallow metrics that we use. So I, I guess like I didn't go, I didn't keep Shabbat and I didn't keep Kashru and didn't keep anything really that people use to symbolize of what an Orthodox Jew is. When you say didn't keep Shabbat, there are different elements of Shabbat. And it means you didn't participate in a Shabbat dinner. Explain what that means, didn't keep Shabbat, or explain what it means, didn't keep kosher. Oh, okay. So, in terms of Shabbat, I always, I've always been in Jewish environments. Like, so I'd always be at a Friday night dinner, Shabbat day, I'd have din- uh, lunch, um, all that. But when, after the meal ended, like, I, I would go on my phone, I would watch a movie or something. Um, if I went into the bathroom and the light was off, I, I would turn it on. So, so the... I was in Shabbat environments, but I didn't keep to the strict laws of it. Um, and in terms of kashru, um, at some point I like you know you start going down a path, and like at some point like I, I was eating everything or anything um, that I wanted to eat. So you didn't feel restricted by the rules. No, that regulated. You can't you know combine milk and meat, no. or you have to eat meat that's slaughtered in a particular way and with a particular. Um, uh, supervision. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I, I I think is different. Like a, a lot of my friends nowadays, they don't they eat, for example, like only they eat dairy out. But since like you grow up in an orthodox environment where it's like all or nothing, like once I eat dairy out, who cares? Like what I eat next? Mm-hmm. I always found that line to be like a little weird. Like why do you draw the line at dairy? Um, right. And you did, and you. So you're doing this in high school. You're making yeah. the, and this transition. You, you uh, was sort of your did your friends know about this. Your family know about this. Or is it something you did sort of behind closed doors. Um, so my closest friends did. Like my my closest and my 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 close group of friends. Um, so like everyone knew. Like I didn't really go out of my way to keep it a secret. I did keep it a secret from my family, but I, I think they kind of. Um, we're getting, they were kind of getting some of an understanding of where I was religiously, just based off the fact that I've always, I never liked going to shul, and at some point my parents like gave up on, you know, trying to get me to go, or uh, I've always had like, I don't know, certain resentment towards religion, 
Um, when you say uh, always, you say you. I mean, going back to your your earliest memories. As far as I can remember, I never liked going to shul ever. You that, never enjoyed synagogue. I always hated it. Okay. Always, always hated it. Like I always went down to the kitchen. Like I would never be like up there. It was it was like the the worst. Like maybe the only time was like on my bar mitzvah. It was like when I actually like liked being there. <laughs> but then ever since and before that, I always hated it. Um, it was always a struggle to get me to go. I would always run away. Like I never liked it. Um, so yeah. There was that, but like in, in terms of more substantive, I'd say problems with Judaism that started popping up ninth and tenth grade. What's your relationship with uh, Judaism? So, as much as I in twelfth grade, I, I would delude myself and, and like I would say that like I'm I'm proud to be a Jew or like I'm happy to be a Jew or all all those things. Um, I don't think that I actually felt that or meant that until I went into my year in Israel. And I think that that was one of the most transformative, like, in, in, in not in a cliche, but it actually, like, it made me understand and question, like, what my Jewish identity is, what it means for me to be Jewish, that my whole life I associated um, Judaism with, like, religious laws. Um, rituals. But, and rituals and going to, like, shul and, like, hating the whole experience. Um, and then I realized that there's a whole other... I don't know. There, there's a whole other way to be Jewish, and and I figured that out in my year in Israel. Not the whole thing, but I figured out that the, I could be proudly and fiercely Jewish, and not necessarily be tied down to observant laws, um, to to laws. And um, now I'm like I, I'm truly proud. Like I love partaking in it. And love partaking. Well, now that you're not in Israel, um, so speak more to that. That you could, be, you could, you could be what. Without what? I could be a proud Jew that advances the interest of the Jewish people that um, is looking to see how the state of Israel can improve and, you know, how we can fix whatever mistakes we are making um, without having to keep Shabbat or keep Kashru. Like, I, I no longer associate Judaism with the laws. I now associate it with the people. So while before the, you were a Jew, but in order to be the ideal Jew, you had to, uh, you had to uh, follow or, or observe Judaism's precepts mm-hmm. and laws. Orthodox. Orthodox Judaism, Judaism yeah. precepts of laws, which, the, which included going to shul, which included observing Shabbat, which included, well, I would say limitations on your time and Shabbat, limitations on your diet with kashrut, um, and limitations on how you spend your day by having to go to synagogue thrice daily. Um, limitations of what you do in the morning because you need to put on the tefillin. Uh, so you were able to take say that no, no, this is not. This is not the only way for a Jew to express his Judaism. Judaism is not limited to uh, the rituals. Judaism actually can play itself broader. Yeah. Okay. And what? So 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 in a sense you've. You've redefined your Judaism, mm-hmm. and you said this is the outlet how I can express or strengthen my Jewishness. Yeah. Okay. So, what is this, in a certain sense, new Judaism that you've discovered? I'll say this: I haven't thrown out the the religious laws. I just view the religious laws now as as messages and as 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 things that I can derive meaning from, as opposed to obligatory. Um, sets of rules. So, so 
for example, Shabbat, like I no longer see it as this, oh, I have to keep like every nitty gritty law and not turn on the light. I now see it as this, like what is, what have, what are the Jewish people trying to say with the concept of Shabbat? So, so now Shabbat means to me, I don't know, turn like, in, in, like everyone says it, but like really like turning myself off from any outside distractions. I try not to study on Shabbat. I try not to do things that make me anxious on Shabbat. Um, I, like, I really try to shut myself down from, like, the hecticness of the week on Shabbat. Um, so, so, yeah, you take all those laws that I used to see as obligatory, and now I'm trying to see, like, what, what is the message that, is, that the Jewish people are trying to say with that. Um, Israel com- plays, like, a big role. I, like, we developed our culture in that land, like, thousands of years ago. Um, so, so now Israel plays a big part in advancing... Um, how we Jews live in that land and how we integrate with the people in that land, um, all of those questions like now play into my Judaism. Um, so yeah, that's that's the short answer. So in a sense, you say you you've uh, you've done a sort of a, like a surgery, mm-hmm. and you've taken out the need to submit yourself to uh, certain. Uh, lifestyle requirements you remove that from the sort of DNA of your Judaism and you've left with either the messages that they portray and as far as Israel is concerned the political national cultural uh, historical uh, economical historical achievement that it is uh, uh, that that, that history and its achievements that it has whereby it's um a nation like all other nations, but it's distinctively Jewish. And yeah. he's doing it in a very uniquely Jewish way. Yeah. And and that speaks to you very much. Yeah. So considering that you don't live in Israel. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So you see yourself living in Israel. A hundred percent. That being very important to you. Yeah. Because? Because I'd, I... Okay, in a, I'll, I'll use like an anecdote. In America, I always feel uncomfortable not wearing a kippah. I, I don't do it now nowadays for specific reasons, but in Israel, I have absolutely no qualms about not wearing a kippah. I, I can walk around and I can feel like I'm in this Jewish project. I'm in this in the Jewish land. Like all I need is to be surrounded by these people and, and to be participating in its history for me to be Jewish. Um, so, yeah, derive the larger implications from that. So in the United States, you, in a certain sense, need the kippah to, to, to confirm for yourself your identity. Yeah. And project that. To the rest of the to world. The, to, uh, to, to, out, outside of you, to others. Uh, while in Israel, your mere presence there achieves that identity as well as that projection. Yeah. And life is a lot easier without having to wear a hat to yeah. tell your story. Your presence tells your story. Yeah. So, and this is something that you've come to realize during your year in Israel? Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in a very weird way, ironically, like my friends and I, we took some trips into the Palestinian territories. Um, and, and I think that's where I, I, I kind of realized like what it means to, to live in a land and to be like connected to a land and to, to like tie one's identity down to a land um, in, in a very weird way. 
that I didn't expect to get out of those trips. Because you observe people who feeling a really strong connection to a land. Yeah. Something that you really didn't feel. No, that's not part of Western <laughs> society. That's not. You sell. You you buy real estate. You sell real estate. Like you move houses. You like make money off a house. Like it, it, it's something that people don't feel really feel connected to. So and so, being in Israel, allowed you to to uh, exp- expose you. Um, to to a, to being Jewish, and an expression of your Jewishness or your or your uh, or your growth of your Jewishness, without the need for the limitations and the restrictions of the religion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and coming here, when you coming back to the United States, coming to college, uh, how has that played itself out? So, in terms of Israel, that, that I think that plays back into the first part of the conversation that we had is that I, I wanted, like, I, I thought there would be people here that wanted to discuss, like, discuss issues pertaining to Israel and and how, how we can improve our history, like, different forms of Zionisms, all that, and I found that there wasn't much going on, but in terms of Jewish involvement, since I've, it doesn't, Israel is a part of the identity, but it's not the only thing. Um, so for me now, Jewish community plays a big part and uh, like celebrating Jewish rituals, not not in a, like a, this is like forced down my throat kind of way, but in a like, how can I get something out of this experience? How can I learn from this experience and grow from this experience? So that's where Chabad plays in. Um, that That's that's why like I, I, I really encourage my friends to go to like Chabad dinner with me to like participate in, in that Shabbat experience in a way that people can derive their own meaning from it. Now, let me sort of push you a little, probe, push you a little more. Um, what were to happen if you were to disconnect disassociate yourself from your from your Jewish identity in other words you're an American there's a lot of history in America and there's a lot of history in your in, in, in there's a lot to be learned there's a lot to be drawn from there's a lot to to teach uh, why the need for this Jewish identity and this belonging to the Jewish people uh, that is not sufficient for you that, 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 that is that you can't let go of uh, because it does come with complexities you have to like even this whole idea of the of, of Shabbat that you have to struggle with that or deal with the idea that you know some people will look at you and say that you're not you're, you're, you're desecrating the Shabbat you're you're violating the Shabbat Um even with with what you're describing that you're doing why not let it go oh boy as someone who has let it go in the past I think in 11th and 12th grade I definitely did not want that to be a part of my identity there's American history is complex and it's it's fascinating and but it's there's just something about it that doesn't... Yes, I, I'm an American. 
in certain aspects of my identity, but it, there's nothing about it that makes me want to derive meaning from it or to build a stronger identity off of it. It's a part of who I am. Like, I was born in this country, and I believe in certain values that the country says that it believes in as well. Well, I, I use American as an example, but, but being human, being part of the global community of, of, of humanity, you know, well, I'm, I'm just offering an alternative to... It's, it's to too big. It's too, it's too big, and it doesn't offer anything... So this whole like, oh, I'm going to derive my experience, like my, my meaning from the fact that I'm human, it's too, you're trying to appeal, the vision is too big for it to actually have any substance in, in, in a way. And I don't know why I, I draw the line at my Jewish identity and that I, I derive meaning and substance from my Jewish identity as opposed to my identity as either an American or a human or... I don't know, democratic socialist, but... A kid from Jersey. Yeah, a kid from Jersey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, um, but that's the line that where I find the meaning. And it might be a result of my upbringing that being Jewish was always like something that was ingrained in you and instilled in you. And, and in many ways, I can't let it go because of the fact that Judaism was such an integral part of my upbringing, you know, to this day that I, I just can't let go of that, but I can't. I can't. So in a certain sense, you can't really explain. I can't explain. You can't explain. In other words, it's so deeply ingrained within you that, and, you're, and, 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 there's no, and it's working well for you, so there's no reason for you to want to reject it. Uh, and if you started exploring to reject it, you really can't, you, you can't bring your, see, see yourself doing it. I don't, I, I, again, I, I think this plays to, I don't know, some of the things that I do struggle with, but do I see as it uh, being an objective source of meaning for everyone? No. But it, it does provide meaning for me. It, it, I, I, I can't explain okay. it. I, it's, it's, yeah, it works for me. It, mm-hmm. it does the trick. Thank you for listening to a new conversation with Hanya and Peretz, Episode 1, Part 1. The conversation continues with a group of Brandeis students streamed on Facebook Live Wednesdays at 8.30 and later posted on our website, anewconvo.com. Visit there and see how the conversation evolves. Have a wonderful day.